Magnificat anima mea dominum. That is the, uh, the first words of Mary's song that we're going to look at today in Latin. Uh, words that uh, her song is known by, this being one of the four what are called canticles or songs of Christmas that we find in the Gospel of Luke. And so Mary's song is known as the Magnificat. Um, you can hear lots of different um, pieces of music uh, that use this text that are known as so-and-so's Magnificat. It actually was Mary's Magnificat first, and we're going to look at her text here today. Magnificat anima mea dominum. Magnify the Lord, O my soul. This is Mary's song. This is Mary's prayer. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, she shares her song with an audience of one, her relative Elizabeth, who has just offered her own blessing to Mary and her miracle child. I suppose you could say it's actually an audience of three, including two unborn boys, who perhaps could hear, um, along with, certainly, God above. So maybe we're up to an audience of four. Mary's beautiful song tells us again about the ways of God revealed by unborn John the Baptist that we talked about last week. John's dance and the words of his mother Elizabeth aren't actually technically one of the songs of Christmas, but I included it. Some people call uh, what Elizabeth said that we looked at last week the song of Elizabeth. Certainly we don't hear a song from yet to be born John the Baptist, but he certainly does a nice dance. And as I mentioned last week, I think it's very telling. But the song that we're going to hear this week from Mary tells us about some of the same sorts of things that we talked about last week, the ways of God, the way of intimacy, the way of humility, the way of revelation, and the way of human dignity. And Mary also tells us some important things about ourselves that we're going to focus on a little more this week. We're going to pick up the story as we look at the text from Luke back at the end of Mary's what is called the Annunciation encounter with the angel Gabriel. She responds to his amazing and frightening revelation concerning her unprecedented pregnancy and sovereign son. Beginning in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, hear the word of God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. 
For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask that you would help us to hear what you have for us today from your word. We thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for the illuminating power of your Holy Spirit that helps us to see and helps us to hear and helps us to believe and helps us to trust. Speak to us now. And I ask this in your name and for your sake. Amen. There's nothing better than being a nobody. Wait a minute. Hold on. I must have been in a hurry when I typed my notes. Okay. Let me start over. There's nothing worse than being a nobody. You work hard, real hard at your job. You do good work, real good work. You go that extra mile, take that on that extra task. You figure somebody important will notice and help you become a somebody important. But it doesn't ever happen. Oh, there's nothing worse than being a nobody. Everybody else's needs had to come first. The toast had to be burned, scraped and buttered. The lunch boxes filled. The permission slip signed, the uneaten toast wiped off the table and thrown out, the taxi service operated, the house dusted and deodorized, the emergency plumber called, the church meeting hosted, now the day is over and you feel like you've accomplished nothing and nobody cares. Nobody called from good housekeeping to inform you that you had won the Sacrificial Mother of the Year Award and that they'd be sending you the trophy, the $50,000 check and the new toaster. There's nothing worse than being a nobody. You've reached that age, the age of loss, when weeks and months are measured by how many friends and acquaintances you have lost and by how many things you can no longer do that you used to accomplish with ease. It's a time when people forget. Oh, you're not forgetting people, but they seem to be forgetting you. You'd be a somebody to your friends, but mostly they've passed on. You'd be a somebody to your family, but they've moved so far away and they're, they're so busy. So you feel like a nobody, and there's nothing worse than being a nobody. There's nothing worse than being a nobody. This is something our culture knows oh so well and teaches us incessantly. So people dream of being a TV star, a brilliant novelist, the unexpected national hero, the internationally recognized and universally admired personality. But of course, dreams like these just don't come true for most of us, do they? 
Oh, and what a pity it is. Because there is nothing better than being a nobody. Oh, dear, I seem to have made the same mistake again, haven't I? Well, maybe I'll have it all straightened out by the end. This morning we are going to talk for a while about Mary and her beautiful song. In the process, I would like to say three things. Or more accurately, I would like to say almost the same thing three times. First, this. Nobody sings like Mary. Nobody sings like Mary. If I were a modern artist, instead of a modern stand-up theologian, I would love to paint Mary singing her Magnificat song, and here's how I would do it. I would start in the middle of the canvas where I would paint a pair of binoculars. Gripping them would be two small white-knuckled hands. Looking ahead through them would be hidden eyes on a forgettable face of a very young woman, a face that featured a mouth wide open in song. The young woman would be plainly dressed and sitting in a wheelbarrow. The wheelbarrow would be delicately balanced on a tightrope in midair. This high wire would be situated hundreds of feet above a roaring waterfall. In the corner of the picture, I would print the words of young Mary's song. Considering her location, it would be a strange song. Its confident choruses and revolutionary verses, I imagine, would create a good measure of confusion in the gallery. I would entitle this painting, Woman in Wheelbarrow on Wire over Waterfall with Binoculars. What does it mean? The wheelbarrow represents Mary's faith. She doesn't merely sing about this wheelbarrow of faith. She sings from within it. There's a story told about a great tightrope walker from the early 20th century named Blondin who once put up a wire across Niagara Falls. Thousands of people gathered to watch him walk across. Blondin! Blondin! They cried as he confidently strode along high above the falls. They let out a roar to match that of the raging waters as he leapt down onto the platform before them. Then, the story goes, he brought a wheelbarrow up onto the platform with him. Turning to his enthusiastic supporters, he called out, Do you believe that I can walk across this wire pushing a wheelbarrow? We believe, we believe, the crowd cried out. Do you believe that I can walk across this wire pushing this wheelbarrow with a man or a woman sitting inside of it? We believe, we believe. Who will come up here and get in the wheelbarrow? A sudden silence fell upon the crowd. I imagine there was quite a bit of silence too when that first angel appeared to Mary and told her about what God was going to do through her. Mary, I want you to get in my wheelbarrow. I'll be with you. 
I'll be guiding you through the dangerous and thrilling circumstances no woman before you has ever experienced, God was saying. Her response when all was said and done, I belong to you, God. Let things happen to me as you wish. 2,000 years of hindsight lead us to say, wow, what an opportunity to bear God's son to become one of the greatest somebodies of all time. But it would not have felt that way to Mary. To her, the wheelbarrow would have looked probably more like a coffin. She was, a, she was young in a culture that valued the wisdom that comes with age. She was a woman in a society where women had no legal standing. There was no court where they were allowed to speak. They were regarded more like property than persons. And finally, she was pregnant without a husband, which by all known logic meant she had committed a moral outrage against her fiancé, already regarded as her husband, though they had not yet fully joined their lives together. Conventional wisdom and experience would determine that she was guilty of a mortal sin against God and a capital offense against society. With no man to speak for her, she was as good as dead, a brave and devout nobody who would stay that way for the short remainder of her life. This golden opportunity would have looked more like a death sentence, or at least possibly so. The rushing waterfall represents then the dangerous uncertainties of life, and Mary's current circumstances had her precariously perched on the thinnest of wires. But, astonishingly, out of nowhere came the Magnificat. And its high notes of triumph sound nothing like someone singing for her own funeral. Listen, nobody sings like Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Where does she get this magnify the Lord and great things for me stuff? Through her binoculars. Nobody sings like Mary. The binoculars in our picture represent the results of Mary's faith. The faith that got her into the wheelbarrow also means that she has a firm grip on her field glasses and knows which end to look through. Everybody has a pair of life binoculars. The trouble is most people want to point the big end toward themselves. Oh, magnify me. And then get other people, and maybe even God, to look in the other side and see how large they have become. Mary flips her faith field glasses around the right way with the big end toward God. Oh, magnify the Lord. And the little end toward herself, the humble estate of his handmaiden. Held backward, the binoculars of doubt create the illusion of a distant God and personal greatness. Held Mary's way, the binoculars of faith show more accurately God's infinite greatness and intimate closeness. 
Mary's Magnificat song reveals that she can see God right there with her, holding the handles of her wheelbarrow, guiding her along the narrow, wire-thin path. It also shows that her special binoculars allow her to do something truly amazing, to see ahead far enough that she can sing today about tomorrow as though it was yesterday. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. He has scattered the proud. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Now there is good reason why this revolutionary stuff sounds silly to a lot of people besides the fact that it is sung by a nobody in the middle of nowhere. We don't have to look very hard to find several proud ones who have not been scattered, do we? And don't we see an awful lot of mighty ones still on their thrones and rich ones still filling their bellies and in banks while the low folks get lower and the hungry stay empty? This revolution doesn't seem to be any more apparent today than it was 2,000 years ago. This nonsense, though, is the truth of a deeper, lasting revolution which has already begun but has not yet been completed. One led by Mary's son, Jesus. One that must be seen through the binoculars of faith and so is missed by a world that has its impressive telescopes facing the wrong way. This revolution is one quietly fought by ordinary nobodies like Mary was and like we are who are willing to jump into wheelbarrows and charge across waterfalls with binoculars in hand. Because of the way Mary did this, accepting the unique and difficult role God asked her to play with an attitude of praise and thanksgiving, we rightly proclaim, nobody sings like Mary. But as we become more familiar with the contents and circumstances surrounding the Magnificat, we must make this further and significant affirmation. Nobodies sing like Mary. This is the second almost same thing I want to say today. Nobodies sing like Mary. This is good news. Nobodies sing like Mary. Mary, as we have seen, was more a frightened teenager who was a humble friend of God than what centuries of tradition have made of her, the personification of womanhood, the otherworldly creature, the nearly divine queen of heaven, the great saint above all saints. As we admire Mary for her faithfulness in her unique role, we must not forget that it wasn't her greatness that captured God's attention. It was, quote, the humble estate of his servant that he looked on. He was attracted by her low estate. It was her nobodiness in the world which made her the perfect choice for so special a purpose. Mary had no brilliant resume for immaculate conception jobs which won her God's favor. Important friends didn't secure her interview with the angel. Mary was a nobody when she sang her song. Only one person and a relative at that showed up to hear the world premiere performance of Mary's Magnificat. Nobodies sing like Mary. 
This is good news. If nobody's sing like Mary, then nobody's like us can follow her example. And more than that, if nobody's sing like Mary, then there is in fact nothing better than being a nobody. It sounds crazy, but I am convinced that it is true. Somebody's Oh, how we long to be real somebodies in the world. But maybe this is a misguided wish. Trying to get there may mean turning our faith and life binoculars the wrong direction. Magnify ourselves instead of the God who made us and sustains us. Being a real somebody in the world might mean having too much to lose by getting in God's wheelbarrow. And so it might mean settling for just talking about faith instead of really living it. Nobody's sing like Mary. I must confess that this is a struggle for me. With almost all my heart, I desperately want to be a somebody. I have found myself over the years trying hard to be a somebody and lamenting my inability to make it happen. I have found myself trying hard to get people, people like you, to think I'm someone special somehow. I secretly hope with almost all my heart that somehow my accomplishments, like becoming pastor of your church, will make me a real somebody. And that by working hard in this role, I will be more of a grand and glorious somebody in 2020 than I was in 2019. I share this with you because I suspect that most of us have these kinds of secret little self-magnifying hopes and dreams. And also because there is another part of my heart. It is a smaller and deeper and I hope growing part which wants to resist this magnify me trap and to spend my life turning the binoculars toward God instead, like the real Mary did. This smaller part of me knows and accepts that it is the nobodies of the world who are best able to sing like Mary. And to this deeper part, the idea of putting aside the pursuit of somebodiness in favor of trying to discover the contentment of being just me, trying my best to sing like Mary and letting God do the rest, comes as a shot of oxygen to a drowning man. And so I would offer my final word, one of exhortation to all of us who have yet to reach the somebodiness we seek, to all of us who labor where the work is hard and the rewards few, where critics are many and the fans are non-existent, to the sacrificial moms who never have to dust around their own trophies, to the young children who have trouble getting the important people's attention, to the elderly children of God among us whom all but the heavenly Father seem to have forgotten. To all of us, nobodies. Nobody? Sing like Mary. 
We have seen that nobody sings like Mary and gone on to discover that nobody's sing like Mary. Now let us conclude with this exhortation. Nobody sing like Mary. Do you feel like a nobody? The good news is there is nothing better than being a nobody because there is nothing better for us to do than use our lives to sing like Mary. Nobody, sing like Mary. Let's get in the wheelbarrow of faith. Let's trust God to get, to help us to keep our balance and to get us over life's raging waters. Nobody, sing like Mary. Let's turn those faith and life binoculars the right direction toward God that we might see him better and that he might be glorified through us. Mary was an ordinary person of extraordinary faith. Hers is a model we can and must follow if we are to experience the abundant life God intends for us. We can be like Mary. Nobody? Sing like Mary. Mary was a nobody to the world, but God used her for something super special. Mary's life and song then remind us that there is hope for all who long to be real somebodies. God specializes in taking nobodies like us and turning them into lasting, significant somebodies in Him, whether or not anyone in the world notices or not. And when God is the one who makes a somebody of a nobody, that nobody is a somebody forever and to the glory of God. Nobody sing like Mary. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for Mary's song, for Mary's life, for Mary's faith, for your presence and power in and through her life that is still making a difference to people today. Lord, I pray that your work through her and that her example to us would make a difference for each of us here today. Lord, I pray for, for your comfort for those of us who are wrestling with our place in the world, our life circumstances, that, that what you have given to us here today through Mary's song and Mary's life would help us to lean into you, to rest in you, to, to let go of our death grip on our life circumstances for that's what it is and that you would help us to to let go and to know the truth that, that our life our circumstances here and now ever and forever are in your hands and that that is really good news for us Lord, help us 
to hear your call and help us to join in Mary's song and to spend our energy, our life, our will, our resources to declare with heart and soul and mind my soul magnifies the Lord. I pray this in your name and for your sake. Amen.